Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 292, episode 2 of Dirty Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into American Shared Consciousness. It's Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know what what time it is? You know what time it is, Jack? I know exactly what time it is. Oh, good. It's good to know because it's 20. Wait, what is it? The 22nd. Yeah, I knew that. (laughs) Uh, It's National Onion Rings Day. Okay, shout out my one of my favorite, actually. I think one of the more underrated fried foods. Uh, Mm -hmm. National HVAC Tech Day, obviously, with the heat out there. Shout out to everybody keeping that uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning systems all in check. National Chocolate Eclair Day. Also, World Rainforest Day and National Kissing Day. Mm. Kiss your babies. Kiss your loved ones. I don't. Think- I was out until rainforest and kissing. Two there you go. There you go. Well, Miles. Mm-hmm. My, my name is Jack O'Brien, aka Come Grimace, Come Grimace, Grimace, Come, Come, Come Grimace, Come Grimace, Grimace, Come, Come. Tell me that you're loving it and put it on my tongue. Ooh. That is courtesy of Salvador Jolly on the Discord. Okay. I politely spelled it C O M E. Which was nice of them, even though we we know what's really up. Also, some people are going out and tasting the Grimace cum milkshake, uh-huh. and on, it almost seems like they think they're doing it on our behalf. Oh, like I I have gone bravely to the arches <laughs> to taste. Well, I just I just want to make sure it's clear we're not endorsing this product. We're just saying that it is clearly Grimace cum. <laughs> that if that is intriguing to you. As it is to me, that's yeah. great. But that's embrace yeah. it. Embrace, embrace it. it but yeah. just don't don't be mad at me when it tastes. I think one of the reviews was purple bubblegum and NUI. NUI. Oh. How how do I know ennui? Ennui. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Didn't you fucking like- idiot? Fucking idiot over here. Ennui. <laughs> I I knew that. But for some reason, wasn't clicking today. You're anyway, a big philosopher, baby. Why did you, did you <laughs> drop the ball on that one? <laughs> NUI, NUI, NYU, the university. <laughs> nah, I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Oh wow! 
on we baby uh anyway miles gray aka look uh this is from christian yamaguchi man because we did uh, what's his face uh alone muskrat yeah alone scum was out here saying you know cis gender is now a slur so yes. allow me to introduce myself miles gray aka siskel and ebert aka sissy sis demeanor elliot aka yeah. sisyphus aka Sissy Spacek, a.k.a. Twisted Sister, a.k.a. System of a Down, a.k.a. Sister, Sister. (laughs) Okay, uh, thank you to Christy Yamaguchi, man, at Waffle House for those wonderful AKs and all the other people who hopped in that thread. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, Biz came in with Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yes. Was pretty good. Another good, uh, what was it? Uh, at Drugatz, uh, put Cisco, Drugatz. like that thong, the thong, thong, thong. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And Sister Christian, Night Ranger. Sister Christian. Because you're motoring. That song is everywhere these days. Is it? Yeah. I, it's in air, I believe. It's, it's pretty prominently featured in air. But I feel oh. like once it had its boogie night scene, it was, yeah. it was over for all those other hoes. Oh, 100%. Like 100%. Journey. <laughs> Fuck out of here, journey. Anyways, Miles, yes. we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a very funny comedian, activist. She's the host of the great award-winning podcast, Good Muslim, Bad Muslim, the senior mm-hmm. fellow on comedy at the Pop Culture Collab. Uh, she's written in the New York Times, wrote and performed a piece on something called Fresh Air for some lady named Terry Gross. Whoa. It is the hilarious, the talented Zara Norba! Zara Yo, I had a crush on the Grimace as a kid. No. Why? Yeah, the, the Grimace and the Hamburglar were like my yep. early pan jam. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You had like what's up? You had like uh like an awakening looking at Grimace? A little bit. Okay. In retrospect. It? Yeah. Now that I appreciate my weird and kink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Uh, I don't think uh, I knew. Justin, let me get screen share really quick because I just want to. Yeah. I just want to bring images uh, of this to the forefront. Okay, here we go. Okay, so let's. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, look at that. Purple. Oh yeah, this one can get it with the teeth. Yeah. Oh baby. Oh no, grimace with teeth is really troubling. Yeah. How did that happen? I mean, I don't know, Jack. <laughs> speak for yourself. I'm like, I bite me, I bite my whole shit, baby. <laughs> Why? Although without teeth? the teeth, also troubling because his mouth just looks weird and. I like this one. Oh, that's a good one. Grimace's mouth is a whole problem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, you know what? Grimace with shades on? Okay, yeah. Grimace can get it. He's, like, kind of giving perpetual duck face. Like, he looks like he has lip filler. Yeah. Do we know Grimace's gender? Is Grimace gendered? I don't know. I think Grimace is, like, his I think Grimace is non-binary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So they can get it. Grimace is, like, purple Teletubby. Like, Early purple Teletubby. Like, mm. yeah. And he was always sort of like gyrating. Yeah, he was a little. Yeah, he moves a little bit more dynamic than the his amorphous form would have you believe. Where the Hamburglar is always kind of sneaking around. And, yeah, what about the Hamburglar? Something. Something about the, this, like, <laughs> it was always like so deviant. Oh. It was just very queer to me. They were both. So he was just like a queer. bad boy? So, yeah, there's something deviant. Oh, like something. right here? Ooh, yeah, look at ooh, that. Ooh, these, yeah, just, ooh, what's, what's up with these burgers? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, we're looking at an animatronic, and the 
big movement that they've given him is his eyes going shady back eyes and forth. like ooh, ooh. Yeah. let's make a kinky sandwich <laughs> and they're just burgers with so many preservatives and top it off with a grimace cum milkshake why not yeah why not and sawdust Anyway, what's new? Zara, what's new, Zara? What's new with you? You are uh, breaking a record here, or at least uh, approaching a record. I'm so yeah. excited about breaking records. Yeah. Yes. For most Among pregnant? the most pregnant people that we've ever had. On I'm this pregnant. Yes. Ooh. 37 weeks and three days. There you go. Wow. Already dilated. That. Two centimeters dilated. Look at you. This child What's is coming. What's going on? And I have COVID. I hey, know, you know look I, at that. Which is why I sound like this. The dedication. I'm so yeah. dedicated. Yeah, they I'm wanted not. to induce me, and I told them to wait until I do this spot. Well, Thank you, you did run. You ran it by Miles and I, and we were like, yeah. that actually, you know, two. You you ran it by us a couple weeks ago. We said two weeks is not that much time <laughs> to, yeah. for us to book a backup guest, and so yeah, why don't one of you work? And then this morning, it? when you're like, guys, I have COVID, I was like, and mm. yeah, we got a show to record. Yo, yeah, but folks. I appreciate that. Oh, we're not recording this in person. Sorry, is it? Is that why you're sharing that information with me? Because otherwise, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it that? sounds like a YP, not an MP. <laughs> not gonna tell you about it. Uh, but how's it? How you feeling? You're you right there. You're on the doorstep. Feeling good. Yo, you know, I feel surprisingly well right now. Yeah, you all look things you seem considered. Really well. yeah, I'm glowy. My hair is yeah. voluminous. Oh my, popping. Yeah. Is and that how that's pronounced? V l o u m e. Is that volume? Pronounced voluminous. Voluminous. Volume. It's actually volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very me. And uh, what else can I tell you? I, I'm walking a ton. Yeah, good. That's great. And uh, like, you know, just really feeling this. I've been taking hypnobirthing classes. Damn. What is that, like a genre of music? <laughs> it could be. There's like a lot yeah, of meditation like, yo, and chanting. It's, oh. okay, it's really fascinating. There's some of it that is like a little bit, uh, you know, like, cis white woman feminism of the woo 70s some woo woo that's like okay let's you know uh-huh. some of it is a little bit ableist and gotcha. it's like pain is the devil and don't think about pain pain is just fear and actually yeah and so i'm a person who had chronic pain in her 30s mm. and i had to work my way through it right. and so like i dig a lot of the lessons about it of like they provide you with the most visualizations i've ever gotten in a birthing class mm-hmm so, like, I know at every single stage of my labor what my uterus is doing, why, how, what's oh, going on, shit, what right. are the potential. And I have pictures. They do, like, I, I had classes with, like, Play-Doh and, like, tactile shit. Holy shit. Oh, wow. Is it, it like was, you're giving your baby that experience through your connection or that's just for you? No, it's Play-Doh. just for me. So that oh, okay. I go in knowing because with pain... When you don't know what's going on, absolutely, it's more painful. Right. Yeah. Because that's how pain works. It's sort of a general, it's kind of like anxiety when you have an emotion you can't identify and you're just anxious. Sure. Yeah. But once you identify, oh, I'm pissed at you. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know? Right. Oh, this is my uterus contracting. This is this happening, whichever. Exactly. That's good because you're building up this like psychological scaffolding for you to like reinforce your mentality going through what is going to be a 
an experience like any other that I'm unable to imagine or experience. But the yeah, hardest oh my God. I've ever seen a human being do. Like yeah. just so, so incredible. So badass. I well, had so much anxiety going into like the birth of my kid because like, I'm like, how do I help? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm this like, is, but this is everything they give us so that yeah. it stops being sort of like monumentous and grandiose or on the flip side, terrifying and anxiety provoking. Uh, and instead lives as this like very natural, very biological, organic thing that your body is primally ready to do. Yeah. Ready, that yeah. like, yo, folks, women in comas give birth. Right. Woo. And it's oh. all about like relaxing, which yeah. of course cut to the day I give birth and I'm like screaming. It all goes out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We had a whole birthing plan. Stabbing yeah. my husband, Duncan. And <laughs> like, this is the worst pain I've ever experienced in my you're like, life. You're like, give me an epidural. You're like, psych, give me that needle. Where my husband is for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let me do it. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm very excited for you. Very excited for you. Yeah, I'm yeah. stoked. I'm, I'm actually genuinely excited for labor. I'm an extreme sports junkie. I'm very curious about how this is going to go. Yeah. I'm taking bets if y'all think I'm going to cave in the first five minutes or oh, if I'm going to ride it out. Okay. So what I'll take, um, I, I'd have to see your birthing plan to be able to assess how much, how, how much you'll stick to it. But if I see your birthing plan and get a little bit of background on how other labels, labors have been in your family, I, I might give you an over, over under on okay, how check long the this. labor might take. My yeah. mom, I was three weeks early. She gave birth to me in two hours. First kid. Oh, wow. shit. So the second no case. epidural. My sister, she came two weeks early. No epidural. She birthed my sister in an hour. Yeah. Damn. My brother, three hours. My little sister, four. Oh, and wait, and you're the oldest? I'm the oldest. I came okay. in two hours. Wow. wow. Okay. I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. I, again, I, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't want to speak on that. I don't want to. Now, my mom was 17 and I am 43 years old, folks. Mm, wow. Okay. A little bit different. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> some twenty six years right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's that? that differential on the yeah. uh, pelvic floor? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, a couple of things we're talking about. We are talking about Republicans being back on their uh, fuckery with regards to the debt ceiling, opposed to the pelvic floor, the debt ceiling. Mm. <laughs> we are going to talk about uh, Molly being used to address racism. We're going to talk about Joe Biden ruining Costco, other concerns on the right currently, uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Zara, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Okay, this morning I searched, can I have overnight French toast in 30 minutes? What that means. Okay, so I do this thing regularly where I'm a Gemini. I always forget to pre-prep. And, and I don't okay. do the pre-prep for the food that I want, but I still want it. Oh, do, oh, you mean to like soak the bread for French toast? Yeah, because you have to, for overnight French toast, it's phenomenal. You soak the bread in the egg mixture with the cinnamon and everything. And then the next morning, you uh -huh. pop it in the oven for 15 minutes and it's just like ready. Mm. It, it might Wait. be like 45 minutes. But... Oh, shit. I, didn't, I never even knew it like that. Oh, I my always... God. It's phenomenal. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I've never done that. That's I've, that's I've always known really it just good. like on the spot. Like you got your stale bread or whatever that you're trying to turn up, and then you oh, make it right you are there. missing out on the soak. It is Overnight. so custardy. Okay. Oh, custardy. Ooh. And it's got that like sugar char. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a little creme brulee kind of little action. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm in. Oh, and you were trying to say, can I speed this process up in 30 minutes? <laughs> uh, can we uh, move this along? <laughs> the very American, like, yeah, but yeah. I need it right can now. Can I turn this grape juice into wine in the microwave over the next <laughs> yeah. 45 minutes? Need to party I may now. I have also Googled that once in my life. <laughs> How quick grape juice become wine? Right now, please. Yeah, yeah, right now, thirty minutes. And what? It, and you? I'm imagining that that search rendered maybe your heart slightly broken. A little so bit. I'm in yeah. denial still. Yeah. Couldn't you do it with like some kind of pressurized? Yeah, I'm I just feel saying, like, like scientifically, like right? Couldn't you put yeah. something like a pressure yeah, cooker, maker? That, yeah, maybe you, that. You and I are in sync on this because my next move was going to be to look up the Instapot. Yeah, right. It feels like an Instapotable thing. Or like a pressurized environment where you put the mixture in the bread and you pressurize like the like stock container. Trading floor, like high so it, pressure situation. Yeah, it's just like I have a rocket scientist friend at JPL that I hit up for these kinds of moments. There and you go. Yeah. Were they any help? Every time. Oh, okay, great. Except for That's this time. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you think is overrated? Okay. Whenever people talk about pregnancy, they're always like, it's like an alien growing inside of you. Right. Yeah. No, it's, I, I don't. That's your baby. <laughs> but, well, that's the thing is it used to be that way in a real safe kind of mental picture. Right. And right. I had this whole process of sort of like coming to terms with this like birthing because so for other neurodivergent folks out there, ADHD folks, we are relational learners. Mm. relational learners and and very visual and i i have to be able to picture shit mm-hmm. and to be able to like fully access it and i was like freezing up and not able to actually plan for my postpartum and third trimesters and delivery because i was just like freezing up i was so scared all the time i was like i can't do this mm-hmm. so the first thing i did if you want to do this too it really helped me to get past the like alien baby mentality into something mm-hmm. more natural. Mm-hmm. I started watching a lot of anal sex porn. Yeah, that's what I was oh, going to suggest. Yeah. I'm glad okay. you got there on your own. That's just was, a lot. I was just talking about this. To like really understand the movement of the perineum and how it expands and it can <laughs> stretch and, <laughs> and what the human body is capable of just right, in terms right, right. of pressure down there. You know, it's a phenomenal thing. And a, a lot of, I watched a couple of like, you could look up backstage <laughs> anal sex preparation. Uh, okay. Sure? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Those Get that O ring ready. Listen, yeah. there is some professionalism back there that I am impressed with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, you know, really... the, I, I think this is correct, but the, the baby doesn't come out of the that one, though, right? I don't, wait. Oh, yeah. really? Wait. i'm actually i could use confirmation on this too yeah no here's what butthole babies are a thing if you tear yeah oh sure 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 yeah 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 of course and then it's sort of and it's just all one one big cloaca (laughs) (laughs) but this is what i was so scared of was like the tearing and the you know and i wanted to understand like how how is there a way where it's not gonna just be horrifically painful and tear and all this stuff. I wanted to get myself out of the fear of it. And then my husband was like, I understand you going to (laughs) these anal sex sites, but you could also watch birthing videos. 
So I started watching. That might be more one to one. And that blew my mind because the OB literally reaches in and is like, she's right there and touches her head. Yeah. And pulls out a whole human. And I had this moment where I was like, yo, it's not an alien. It's not a picture in an ultrasound. This is, I I just was like really humbled because I was like, all of us come from underqualified women's vaginas. <laughs> None of us know what the hell we're doing. Yeah. We right. all think birth is like this noble thing, but we're all just like, we're, we're so organic. Yeah. This is, sure. this is so mammalian. Right. Yeah. Right. And that connects to my underrated. Yeah. Was just, the alien thing. I wonder if there was a, strong uptick in that after the film like the because oh i'm I, sure the most visceral image maybe in film history is chest like popper. that chestburster scene yeah. so and i i do think that things like that really burrow their way into into people's unconscious well know? and here's the other thing i learned about midwife activism hmm. is that so in check this out in the 40s and the 50s the popular thing to do was to just put women under general anesthesia. Right. Just knock them out. Just knock them out. And they would put them on under like purple and twilight, which Mm. if if you're not familiar, those are the drugs they give you so that you're like still cooperative, but unconscious. Yeah. And the the hypnobirth story is she goes in, I totally forget her name. Mangan is the last name. She (laughs) goes in and says, I want to deliver naturally. The doctor says, sure. She wakes up with a baby in her arms. Wow. Right. Like, that's how little they listened to anything women had to say about their own bodies during birth. Right. And uh, it was a part of the feminist movement to have birth naturally. And that became bigger in the 70s. Lamaze came around. Right. Right. And and so did Alien around that time. So I bet there's a link up. Oh, yeah. That does. Yeah. That makes sense. What it, What is your underrated? Okay. We need more birth stories, folks. Yeah. Mm. I, like, I can't believe how, like, I was at the shoe store buying shoes, and I was like, well, I'm eight months pregnant, so my foot is growing. And the this chick straight up, go, this 20-something chick straight up just goes, I, oh, I don't know how to relate to you at all. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I gotta, I'm, I'm fitting a lot of shoes today. <laughs> I don't I know how to relate like, to what this. on earth? Wait, what can't was relate. the interaction exactly? Sorry. You're like, hey, can't I'm relate. pregnant. You can stop talking. I can't relate. So <laughs> I was like, I don't know why you're still talking. But. <laughs> you know, I can't relate to this, right? <laughs> but okay, go off. I guess your feet you know, or something. And, like I, I had hired this like dog walker to help me walk the dog, and she just uh, she kept asking me how if I was scared, yeah. and like why I wasn't more scared, you know? And I just was like, <laughs> why Yo. aren't you terrified? <laughs> right. Like, these aren't even men asking me these questions. You know what I mean? These are young women. And, like, and 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 even, like, friends of mine who, because I've been so far in a lot of friendships that are without kids. Mm-hmm. Right. You yeah. know, I'm 43. I don't have a kid. And so a lot of my friendships have been with, like, childless families. And I've dug it. And, you know, we go on vacations right. and use our money in <laughs> ways that are awesome. <laughs> right (laughs) and not fisher price and (laughs) so i wouldn't anyway that i just i just feel like we need more birth stories out there it's like you know alien animal husbandry or just Mm -hmm. like nothing you know what i mean yeah yeah exactly i feel like there's a like they 
when there is a birth scene in a movie, it like some just auto fill like text AI just takes over and it's like the woman's there pushing and then like being mad, yelling at her husband. And that's yeah, like right. the only version that we have is like, shut up. And he's like, Duh. oh, 100%. no, are you OK, honey? Yeah. And like, that's it. And one of the things I've been digging about my hypnobirthing class is all the meditation that women do in the videos. In their videos, women are all like really quiet, really meditative, really introspective. And you can yeah. see them sort of like internal and bearing down. Right. And it's not this like screaming fiasco that yeah. I feel like is designed to scare the shit out of women. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I, we watched some birthing videos around the birth of our first. And yeah, just some people are able to just, to, yeah, it, meditative, quiet, like just. And I don't like that. That certainly wasn't what happened in our case, but it's definitely a good story to have contributed to the overall version of how this can go. Well, and you know, not that I'm opposed to screaming and throwing darts at my husband. Sure, sure. As it's happening, you know, that's fine too. I don't think I've seen. I was thinking, yeah, I could like create a bullseye and just like, yeah, it's like a really powerful nerf. Cannon of some lift your shirt yeah. up, show me the target. You're like, eh. <laughs> we had him painted on his chest with Sharpie earlier. No, let me see yeah. if I can get one in here. But yeah, I, I totally me. agree. I, my mind was completely so much of my perception around pregnancy and childbirth was informed by fucking 90s movies, exactly like nine months and shit. Where I'm like, ah! like that's what you yeah, think yeah. is fucking going on <laughs> and then you talk like then i talk to my other friends and relatives and people who i respect who have gone through this m- maybe one time or multiple times and they're always like they're giving me really good advice and i realize how much of that shit seeps into your brain and completely just changes what exactly this whole thing is and once i was able to sort of get past this like media informed idea of what it meant i was able to enter this more like peaceful calm like loving part where my energy wasn't fear, but more like, how can I use my love to make this process the best way possible and then enter into this without necessarily having like the fear of someone screaming at me or accidentally grabbing my penis because they think (laughs) it's my hand, like in all the movies in the 80s. Grab someone's hand. I forget what movie that. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a movie where no, but that's totally what I'm going to do. Nine months or something, and (laughs) like someone's giving birth, and someone's like, grab a hold of something, and this woman just grabs the dude's crotch and just like, and the guy's like, "Ah!" and she's like, you have a very big finger, and I forget what that is. I'm sure Zeitgang will know exactly what I'm talking about. But anyway, uh, oh my god, you don't understand. I'm such a nice husband. I used to play this game with him called open up your legs i'm gonna narrowly miss your balls and i would make this <laughs> <laughs> and he would do it every time he would open up his legs and he'd always be Trust. like oh i hate this game how does he Trust. win that game <laughs> yeah what are the rules it's always about whether i win or lose right. that was yeah the why whether he flinches of the ga- he's a cis man he's a cis white man in the world uh sorry wait just uh, sorry beat, yeah, beat that out. take that out that? yeah thanks because we yeah, can't get a, we don't want to run a foul my bad elon musk my bad yeah um, and then police. one day I, we were at dinner with friends and I was like, you know, he always lets me play this game. He just lets me. And we're all cackling. And he was like, hey, so then the <laughs> next time I was like, open up your legs. I'm going to narrowly miss your balls during a boring documentary. He was like, <laughs> no, boring documentary. no, I won't. And I was like, damn, 
I love that Damn. it's just done for your entertainment purposes. Yeah. It's not really? it's just like when you're bored. I, I thought it was like, you know, you you were mad at him or something. There's a lot like, of things that I can get him to do in that labor delivery room. I have yeah. to really think about yeah. how I prioritize cash those chips. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but they're like, So what's your birth plan? You're like, All right. So first of all, I tell my husband to open up his legs. <laughs> I'm gonna nearly miss your balls. Uh, I, I was yeah. just asking if you wanted like a peanut pillow for your legs or if you needed like a yoga ball no no no, i'm good i'm just gonna narrowly just smash him in the crotch next i just yank on his hair as hard as i can and (laughs) And then i've got he's not uh, allowed to scream i've got this grimace and hamburglar costume yeah (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get freaky yeah i was i was asking my ob it's in my birth plan can you dress as grimace uh for the last few pushes (laughs) oh my god that would make my day that's amazing All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about some news. We'll be right back. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. 
So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. We're back. And uh the gop back on their fuckery what's yeah. what's the latest miles it's not much here but i just want to i just want to mention this because th- again the fuck face wing of the republican party the freedom caucus they were like they're like this is bullshit the debt ceiling ah, we fucking hate this we need to we need to cut all spending especially the social safety nets but remember they did make a deal the republic they did a deal they figured right. out remember they said it was gonna be real bad for the economy if we don't make this deal the last minute they made the deal and republicans agreed to fund the government and pay you know any outstanding balances so forth but guess what now they're deciding they can fuck shit up by going after appropriations bills to cut spending so these are the bills that are essentially that spell out exactly how these budgets are the how the money is spent so their little fucking you know clever logic here is saying like well you know, I know we agreed to all these figures in the debt ceiling bill, uh, you know, and like that. But to us, that was just a cap. You know, that just means we could go up to that amount. There's nothing to say we can't go below that by wow. like one hundred twenty billion dollars. And Christ. that is now the logic that they are parading around in some of these committees, which is basically saying, like, we just agreed to that being like a number, the top number. Right. And meanwhile, like every other sane human being is saying, like, how is that a fucking deal if you say this is the number we're agreeing to for this debt ceiling and then you renege on that after the fact and be like, actually, no, that's just that means that that's that's just the, that's just the highest. So this is going to be an issue, obviously, with the Democrats and the White House and also the Senate, uh, because they're always the ones who have to, like, end up seeing these bills and be like, fuck, man, like, what are we what is this like? Don't they know how to just fucking do the bare minimum? Uh, Hmm. Spoiler alert, they don't. And Senate Republicans aren't even really happy with this because even like some of their like they've somehow awoke from their MAGA coma in the Senate. And you have people uh, like this senator. I don't even I don't even bother to figure out who it was. Let me tell you exactly who it was. Oh, yeah. John Kennedy, uh, who is famously not the most consistent (laughs) senator uh, that we have, said, quote, if you propose a compromise, you need to tell the truth and tell people exactly what the compromise is. I can tell you that senators are tired of getting the compromise, voting for it or even not voting for it and finding out later that wasn't the truth. So So this is him complaining about this like yeah. last minute switcheroo. Got exactly. It. From the Freedom Caucus freaks who yeah. are like, this is how we can get this is how we can extract our pound of flesh or whatever. And even Kevin McCarthy is like, yeah, I mean, I guess that like I, I get that logic, but I had to kind of make a deal with them to keep my gavel. That's really cool. So there's <laughs> basically gaggle. Yeah. So bringing a bigger and bigger gavel to work every day. Until, yeah. He's like, try yeah. and take this. It's so fucking heavy. <laughs> but yeah, I get anyway, more more brinkmanship on yeah. the way. And systemically, this just for some reason, this reminded me of like the conversation we were having in our episode where we interviewed you know, where we were talking about big sugar and the sugar industry and yeah. how there was... Phenomenal episode. Thank you. The, yeah, great episode, uh, great podcast, by the way. Everybody should go listen. Yeah. But, you know, early in the episode, Celeste was talking about how they, or early in the season, like they win a victory. Like they sue on behalf of all these sugarcane workers and like get this big settlement for sugarcane workers, like $50 million. 
And it, it's a huge win. But then the side that is like capital and private money and private capital just pushes back and just keeps pushing and they have more time and more energy and more weight in our world because they're able to just do it. So like even it's just like even a small win, like getting them to let the economy keep moving and like having spending for these programs, like they there's still a way for them to claw it back. There's still a way for them to just make any any victory on behalf of like social spending and social welfare into a loss because the system is just set up to favor any anything that is going to get in the way of you know social welfare and allow people to like it's just better for them to have a thing where they're just like no we just privatize everything and uh it's like, why why are they way. such cartoon villains i don't know yeah. I mean, because we're we're at that phase too, where we really have people who have no business participating in civics, you know, at the even most basic level, who have basically racist memed their way into Congress. Exactly, like that's how they got there. Yeah, and then like, okay, what do you want to do with these budgets? So like, huh? I don't like Joe Brandon. They're like, oh no. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) this is bad. How? Because there's a lot of people saying. Oh, yeah, if we have another government shutdown, that won't be that bad. Um, yeah, it would be. It would be. Uh, but again, this is this is the back and forth uh, that we're, we get to witness firsthand as we welcome new life into the world. It's like a whole party of, I want to die alone. Yeah, truly. <laughs> yeah. It's like the same mentality. I don't care. I want to die alone. <laughs> Let me die alone. Yeah. Well, speaking of racists, uh, one of them has taken Molly and realized that they were racist and that being racist sucks. uh, White supremacy bad? What? What? Are you trying to tell me that the villainized drug of the 70s that that was the smokescreen to cover up the Korean War actually turns out to be good? Uh, it it might just might, but don't hold your breath now. But wait, I didn't this know is an Molly was story. even around in the seventies. I mean, I knew it was like first well, starting out as a party drug in Dallas. But isn't Molly Molly's like the MDMA? MDMA. Is Molly M- is MDMA? I thought it was. We like shouldn't the use the street term for ecstasy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. MDMA. Yeah, yeah. Let's be let's Got be it. a little scientific here. I say okay. Molly because you know I'm out here in the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's it's MDMA. It is being treated as a psychedelic that is like being researched heavily, not as a thing that you just like give out to people, but as a therapeutic uh, instrument that where like during a therapy session, you are given it and then there is like a guided therapy session in which the kind of, you know, effects of the MDMA help you come to terms with different parts of your emotional like scaffolding and like how you've been built and how you've built yourself kind of accidentally and haphazardly in the dark of your unconscious. Like you now have access to that stuff. Yeah. And whereas like during normal therapy, you're just talking to a person and it can be difficult or take time. I, I right. guess it's like the thing that you hear a lot is that it's just a shortcut to like get into a lot of these issues that people people need to be able to address and that takes a lot of time and a lot of like breaking down barriers to get to the best analogy i heard for it was that because mdma it fills your receptors with 
love drugs, Oxy right? Drugs. It's like a love yeah. drug. It's people explain that it's sort of like when you're wanting to dive into trauma, just raw like that with a therapist one-on-one, it's kind of like pouring an empty pitcher. Right. And, and, and trying to drink from that cup. Right. Versus with MDMA, then you're actually sort of filling the pitcher with water. You're filling your receptors with good feeling and then tackling the trauma. Right. And I have a few friends that it was absolutely life changing for. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, we see the research constantly how it's helped, especially with people like with PTSD and soldiers with uh, stress and like trauma as it relates to like racial, racial abuse and shit like that. It's like all we see are like positives here. Yeah. There's a psychedelic science conference happening in Denver this week, actually. And like, there's just so much learning. And so it's a very exciting time for people who are in medicine and like kind of interested in using these tools. Like the research that's coming through is that it's like a, a very powerful tool. Yeah. And a great documentary by Michael Pollan. Yeah. On Netflix, uh, during which I was narrowly missing my husband's balls. <laughs> Oh, so not the most engaging. You got a little bored there. Uh, some yeah. parts I was like, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. All right. Ball smash time. Um, <laughs> I so, narrowly miss. I mean, narrowly miss. Narrowly miss. Narrowly smashing them. Uh, but this story is from a, comes out of a recent study in the unit from the University of Chicago where researchers were looking at how MDMA was like enhancing the pleasantness of certain types of physical touch. And one participant stuck out to the researchers there is named Brendan. Because at the end of the trial, this guy, Brendan, filled out the final questionnaire. And at the bottom of the form, when they're talking about, like, how do you feel going like after this whole experience, wrote, quote, this experience has helped me sort out a debilitating personal issue. Google, um, Google my name. I now know what I need to do. When they looked at that, they said, holy, wait, what the fuck does this person mean by I now know what I need to do? Like, go talk to them right now. That phrase is scary as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, because they also Googled they Googled his name and found out that like like about a year or two prior to this study, he was doxxed by like Antifa, like researchers who were basically trying to put out all these names of prominent Nazis and white supremacists in the U.S. And he was one of them. He led a very prominent group in the Midwest. So they were like, what the fuck? When they asked him, they're like, yo, so what's this plan, uh, white supremacist guy, now that you've had some, like, MDMA? He said, quote, just realize love is the most important thing. Quote, I felt in that moment that all of my priorities in my life were just so messed up, the way I was interacting with people, particularly people who are close to me. But there was also an almost euphoric feeling, a feeling of love. And I concluded that was the sort of feeling that I should strive to permeate across the world. So they're like, oh, okay. His background was, you know, in high school, he leaned liberal, but then he got to college, joined a frat of like affluent white guys that were conservative. Hmm. And then that being around those people slowly sent him down like that radicalization rabbit hole of like, hey, you should read this book. Hey, you should check this podcast out. Hey, you should check out what they're saying on Fox. And next thing you know, he's leading a, you know, he's in fucking Charlottesville, like with a tiki torch. Wow. Like leading people. Yeah. So. Now, this isn't to say like MDMA is a cure all because this guy was in a period of like serious self-reflection after being like outed, losing his job and like his like relationships, like close relationships began to fall apart. But he said that really had him in a state where he was trying to figure out what was going wrong since up to that point, he thought he was on like a good trajectory with all this nonsense. And many experts like agree. They're like, yeah, intention is the key here. 
when using psychedelics. It's not like you could just airdrop a bunch of MDMA on the state of Florida and then like we're going to move on. <laughs> right. It's like yeah. you have I to mean, have the intention to at least be open to looking at your own life uh, and being a period of self-reflection. Because again, this isn't some magic racism eraser. Um, and he also and it's feels also this- not a pill that you take and have this insight. Again, it is part of a like total program of therapy where you're working with a therapist who knows you and has a sense of like where where you're at. And it's I I feel like there's just going to be a tendency for Americans to be like, all right, so I take this thing and like things, things are good again. No. It's like a I take it like Tylenol and we're good. No, it's actually part of. Uh, working on yourself which is uncomfortable this just makes it gives you an ability to do uncomfortable work a little bit more freely yeah exactly and there's like you know one of the researchers that were spoken to for this article from ucla was just saying like you know all psychedelics have the potential to help people get in touch with new perspectives for other radicalized individuals she says a drug like ayahuasca could be useful because it's like taking sort of a good hard look at yourself in the mirror She goes on to say that's why ayahuasca kind of has a reputation of doing to people, kind of showing them maybe where they screwed up and how they got there in a compassionate way, like which is also important. There's all kinds of studies of doing this on cops with PTSD Mm -hmm. that have been highly successful. It's like more prevalently used in the UK. There's lots of research studies on it there. And here it was like it, it became demonized, like Nixon demonized it all. And it became part of the like smoke screen. Yeah. Right. Look at LSD. Look at all these, you know, hallucinogenics. Not yeah. Not creeping inequality or that kind of shit. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. It kind He's of blew drugs. my mind that the guy who invented the PCR study mm-hmm. found it during an uh during a LSD trip. What's the PCR study? Like, you know, PCRs, like the molecular PCR tubing. Po- what is it? Uh that you do for COVID. You take like a PCR test. Yeah, oh, polymerase chain reaction. Yes. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He visualized it in an LSD trip. Oh, because that's how you visualize DNA samples, right? That's right. like the whole yeah, point. Well, yeah, that LSD. is how they... Yeah. <laughs> Fran- Francis Crick, actually, the guy who discovered... They couldn't figure out the uh, structure of the DNA double helix, and he had the insight of the double helix shape while tripping on LSD and also after reading a bunch of research by a woman who had already figured it out and he just i guess he he got a lot of credit trifecta yeah yeah but i think again like it's it's interesting to hear this guy brendan talk about too because he's also saying like this isn't going to solve our society it's not like this is a cure-all but it is clear it helps people he goes on to say quote a lot of these guys who end up in these movements have a history of doing mdma yeah he's like but you have to have the right framing and mindset because that's the only way you can somehow be somewhat open to reconsidering your own ideologies. He said, quote, it helped me see things in a different way that no amount of therapy or anti-racist literature ever would have done. Right. And he still says he struggles with like these beliefs that he has, but he's completely like has been able to sort of step outside of this like white supremacist ideology. And be like, oh, this doesn't serve me at all or what I want like my life to be. Yeah. So. It's 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 a very like interesting story. I know a lot of people like the shorthand would be like, all right, MDMA for like everybody. That that's the thing. Uh, yeah. But we what we it's a it's a combination of things that really help people. But the the version that he did is a clinical like you yeah, know under super, under medical supervision, and that stuff is 
much harder to do in the United States than yeah. in other places because it, you yes. know, to your point, Zara, has been demonized. And so, like, that is the thing that it can be useful in a society where they're willing to just ex- accept what, what a powerful tool it can be for yeah. therapists. But I don't know. I say I'm kind of on the side of everybody, let's try it. Because right now, a lot of people are doing that with Adderall. Right. And treating it like the drug that's going to fix all my behavioral shit. Uh, and I yeah. see and I see it all the time. And I and there's so much else that Adderall does, too, that is like so detrimental. Totally. And by the way, the like myth of the Swiss cheese brain is actually like an Adderall side effect. Right. Not not an uh, LSD, MDMA, psychedelics side effect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was like a whole uh, propaganda train. Back in the 80s and 90s. So eh, for the way that like we Americans do stuff, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe more of us should just be like smoking pot and doing MDMA. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's it should be it should be less stigmatized and less illegal for sure. I'm just saying like if that you're going to pick if you're going to polarize. Yeah. Rather than going the route of like cocaine and Adderall and coffee. <laughs> right. But those help you. Those help you do work. Those help you do work and contribute but then to the economy. Look at all these. So. Look at all these phenomenal scientists that got shit done on LSD. Right, right. That's like, how yeah, it yeah, works. Yeah, but pipe down about that because then yeah, we yeah. might not have need for other pharmaceuticals. Right, my bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> you know, people but yeah, might not. I totally. You can see the values of our society based on what drugs exactly. are legal versus illegal. And yeah, yeah. I'm just right. saying that the the legalization and the stigma makes it much harder for therapists. Like, therapists are afraid of losing their license. And oh, like yeah, it's, it's very few people that get access to this type of therapy and this type of, like, official, sanctioned, like, well-designed therapy work that yeah. this person had, had access to. So, yeah, it just, it needs to be destigmatized across the board and made more, uh, less illegal. And just, like, thinking, right, about, like, the unpacking your trauma, right? Because so many of us... Mm. We go through shit and we just lock it up. We leave it in the back of our minds and then wonder why it permeates, like it ends up festering and affects mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. dimensions of our relationships and personal lives. I have nothing to do with even that specific event that happened. Right. And, and the power of being able to examine that is a huge part of having any kind of growth because most growth is not happening because we, d- we don't have the ability or the openness to reflect on these things we've been through because it's so deeply uncomfortable. And it kind of reminded me there's like this recent clip. I hate to bring up Tucker Carlson, but he was on Megyn Kelly's show. And the way he talks about his mother's death, you're like, this is exactly what the fuck like goes on with yeah. people. Right. Like, I'm just going to play this because he's so casual about this. And I don't like I understand like there's a lot to do with like his own abandonment issues with his mother, et cetera, et cetera. But hearing someone talk like this, you're like, man, this motherfucker could use some Molly. But anyway, this is just like <laughs> hear him talk just about his mother. Um, But, you know, our mom was not a fan of us and was pretty direct about it. And, you know, that's obviously hurts when you're little. But then I realized you can't control it. You know, you just can't control it. And your mother doesn't Mm -hmm. like you. Okay, boo hoo. You know, it sounds really terrible. And the day it actually happened, when his mother uh, I got this call like she's dying and in in this weird little town and on a farm that she lived on in southwestern France. And and she was basically French at this point, spent her life there. Uh, you should go visit her. And so I call my brother and he's like, what? No, 
you know, my son's got a soccer game. And I said, I feel the same way. I don't know this person. And mm-hmm. and actually, this sounds cold or whatever, but I, I had already kind of made my peace with this over many decades, over 35 years. And I didn't mm-hmm. fall apart at all. I went out to dinner. I mean, I felt sad for her, I guess. I don't know much about her. She was an artist. She had shows. Okay, I guess. And and all that. But she wasn't part of my life. I wasn't part of hers. And yeah, this explains like, so much. I didn't fall apart. I just built myself brick by brick <laughs> into a horrifying monstrosity yeah, of exactly. like, toxic masculinity. It's so wild. I didn't like fall you, apart, though. I didn't fucking hear. I'm here. I put I created a whole set made of wood and I screamed <laughs> from it. <laughs> like also, did Tucker Carlson just say he's an immigrant? Is he French? No, no, he's talking about how no, his, his mom, mom immigrated to France. And he's <laughs> like basically mom, saying she's basically French because she left. His mom expatted. His mom's right. a hippie who left them at a very young age to like and go then, hippie it up. And it yeah. explains so at, everything. At six, yeah, at six, his mom was like, you kind of suck. <laughs> and that's, he, he has that. Well, the other thing, too, is he's I think he's also referencing the fact that later in life, his mother hated his politics. And famously like it was after she passed away right she was also an heiress she had a lot of money wow and when she passed no no no. swanson is who uh was his father remarried yeah got it but when his mother passed her estate was sort it was sort of contentious where the money was going and him and his brother fought her husband over the money despite him being like i don't care about her i've moved on him and his brother they had a long protracted legal battle over her estate. And what happened was later on, they found her will in a book that she had handwritten and she had only left her uh, Tucker and his brother one dollar each. Oh, so they got something. Burn. And, but yeah. but still, like for you, it's like you can tell all of this like pain swirling around like, you know, yeah, clearly she like they had a contentious relationship, but he was also like, I need that fucking money, too. It's just that's the only thing that actually, you know, happens, who right? else talks about their mom like that? Bob Durst. Oh, yeah? Yep. Bro, Robert Durst? Yep. You said Bob. That, that was Damn, so casual. I was like, Bob. hold on. You, you hanging with, you're kicking it with Bob? Right. I mean, I did watch that do- whole documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Just burping up. Yeah. After having memories of my mother. But yeah, I mean, like, again, these are... I, you just sort of see examples all the time. And I'm not trying to lay everything at like, you know, that mom. A lot, a lot of sociopaths and psychopaths will cite their relationship with their mom as the reason for their behavior. Yeah. And I mean, it surely has to do with his like very, you know, misogynistic worldview. Yeah. Because they don't understand empathy, but they are clued into pity. Right. And so they, yeah. they look, that's one of the like formative ways that they look to access sympathy. Mm. Well, look, he wasn't really bummed out by it at all. He went to dinner, okay? <laughs> Next question, Megan. Next like I, question. Moving also, on. I also think it's funny that he, like, it's it's almost an insult to his six-year-old self how he responds to it. You know what I mean? Is like, yeah. you now you're going to, like, tell your six-year-old self that, like, you didn't dissociate. You just weren't bummed out by it at all, right. you know? It didn't bother yeah. me. Uh, it did. It did. There's no right. way it didn't. But again, oh, hey. Tucker. We get it. That's where you were forged in, like, the fires of, like, a var- Marvel villain, it feels like. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> like, show. it would be too on the nose for a Marvel villain. Like, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It would just be like, all right, that's a little pet. His hippie mom left him <laughs> and then, like, he hates didn't leave many money. And he, like, went on TV and was like, my mom didn't like me and I'm fine with that. While, right. like, you know, just, like, 
fucking steamrolling over like just a lifetime of pain. <laughs> just, I'm fine with that. I didn't fall apart. Oh, I'm together. Okay. I'm rock solid. All right. Anyways. All right. Look at my wood set. <laughs> Let's take a quick break to marvel over Tucker's wood set. And uh, we'll, we'll be right back. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. We're back. And uh, Costco has been trending on Twitter for the past couple days uh, after New Mexico state lawmaker Stephanie Lord posted uh, part of a receipt 
from a recent trip to the store slash time vacuum Costco. Uh, she spent eight hundred dollars and blamed Joe Biden. Just you know, despite the fact that he's not, I don't think he's been a manager at that particular Costco. But uh, <laughs> the tweet. Thanks, Joe Biden, $799.38 for one full cart at Costco with 58 items. Holy shit. And only nine non-food items like paper towels, plastic bags, trash bags, and razors. Is that a Republican mad that thinks cost a lot? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's Joe Brandon's fault. It's Brandon's fault. She bought, so 58 items, that, that works out to an average of $14 per item which actually makes total sense for a Costco. <laughs> right, right. You 58 think. items is a lot of items to buy at Costco. I feel like <laughs> like she is tetrising all of those items. That's it, about 3 carts, yeah. Yeah, that is a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah, Costco is just so like that's what a 58 item Costco trip is what you do once a year. Hopefully, and most Unless, of them are food items. Is that what she's saying? She said, are "Yeah, not. most of them are." F- no, she said most of them are only five, like non-food. Oh, items. only nine non-food. Right, right, right. Yeah, nine. Most of them. You. Most of them. So forty-nine. Food. Yeah. And what you buy? And what you got? A couple. Rot- how many rotisserie chickens you get? I mean, probably not that many, Miles, because that's uh, a hell I, of a baby I, shower. I feel like she <laughs> is not aware of the like good value items at Costco either if she's you know averaging out to $14 $14 an item but right i don't know it's just such and then people were like yo that's first of all like the things you get at Costco are like lifetime supply of <laughs> yeah, toilet paper raisins, where's the fucking paper. itemized receipt <laughs> yes you yeah, she needs us, to give us like, the itemized receipt I'm, i need to see literal fucking receipts madam how much you want to bet that's beer and wine? Yeah, she doesn't want to show that. It's yeah, all fucking yeah. Kirk Signature light beer. Yeah. yeah. And she responded when people were like, could we see the itemized receipt, ma'am? <laughs> she just raged and was like, triggered progressive left wingers. And like, I don't know, this just seems to be, we. it happens all the time, but just this, the, it's the same thing with Elon Musk declaring cisgender a slur. You know, it's like, you, we're being attacked by right. by these words, but then when it comes to you know the hundreds of thousands of people who are harassed by actual hate speech every fucking day on Twitter, yep. he's completely silent. But when it comes to like a descriptor of his, you know, the fact that he is cisgender whoa, or whoa, that this whoa. person who's complain who complained to him is cisgender, you know, he's just the most brittle soul. On the planet, you know, yeah. he's just the softest, most sensitive snowflake. But they, they have somehow, and I, I do feel like they've like somehow won that argument. Hopefully, it's changing. But it does feel like the perception. You, you mean? Yeah, the, just that that perception in mainstream popular culture is still that like I don't know. People are too sensitive. Who because that's are still part the status like, quo. You know what yeah, I mean? The it, status quo. We're not there where oh, everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're just absolutely. not there yet. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're people. We all agree that everybody deserves the same amount of respect and autonomy. We're just, yeah. that's just not the status quo. So because of that, people who are like still fighting for it, are like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. We're fine. 
Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I mean, again, it also you show your, your you let your transphobia show hardcore when you're like cisgender's a slur. Yes. How dare you? Okay, fool. We get it. Go back to your fucking whatever you fucking do. I don't understand that. Like you're biologically who you also identify as and you're mad. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're using it to other me. Well, Cause you're like, using that no. to be mean to me <laughs> by no. pointing it out in context that I don't like. Oh, I'm sorry. Think- Is there a history of oppression for the cisgendered people of America? Right. This is like the other thing of like, this is why we need MDMA in our water. I've decided I'm all the way there now. Jack. We I'm also all the need, way there. We <laughs> also need to get him interested because he has like a like very dumb guy who thinks he's a smart guy brain. And I feel like we could get him really interested in the Titanic. And he also is yeah. very confident in his ability to build submersibles. Remember when there was that cave rescue? Yeah. And he was like well, I'm going to bring in this submersible and it's going to save everyone. And people like looked at the submersible and they were like, that's not going to work at all. Like right. here, we, we have to like go through narrow corners and that thing is the size of a fucking minivan, bro. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, that so he, I, I'm just saying there could be some efficiencies between these news stories that have obsessed people over the past if we could get Elon Musk interested in them. Put him uh, in a submarine. I'm just yeah, saying. Just- just he might enjoy it down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or being like, yo, bro, you know what could happen, bro? You could find Atlantis and blow this <laughs> shit open, homie. Yeah. I believe in you, bro. Of all the people, I feel like you could go to the bottom of Mariana's Trench yeah. and figure yeah, right. it out, homie. Be James brave Cameron's enough. been deeper than you. Oh, you think it's cool that you've been to space? Jim Jim Cameron been deeper than everybody wow. in the whole world. Jim, He's you going to let dude, James dog. Cameron do that? You going to let James Cameron fucking hand Make you, you that you look L? like a bitch? <laughs> this is what I'm saying is all these folks floating around with empty pictures yeah. and their mama's mad at them and they haven't gotten over it and they don't actually know what being mean means. Right. Yeah. They're just sad. Yeah, totally. They're very ticklish. They're just scared of anyone touching them. <laughs> They're just like, no, don't get, get, stay away from me. Just like balled up like a fucking fist their whole body is. And then, yeah, you just can't do anything. This is yeah. why I roll with the Hamburglar and the Grimace and we Thank grind you. on each other and we yeah. tickle. <laughs> Cuddle puddle. It's a good life. There you go. All right. Zara, such a pleasure having you. Thank you so much. Oh, for- my goodness. This Thanks is the best. On. This is the best vaginal send off. Yeah. <laughs> Before I launch send-off. myself down my yeah. canal. Oh yeah. And birth another tricky. human being. That is like an world. ayahuasca. That's if you give birth on an ayahuasca. You're actually giving birth <laughs> to yourself. Like right. that, that would be wild. Where can people find you? Follow you? Hear you? All that good stuff. You can come to my house. There you go. Yeah, you can come to my house okay. or. You know, hack into my phone and watch my birth with me. Wow. Yeah. Or you can go on Twitter, Blue Sky, and (laughs) Instagram at Zara Comedy. Z-A-H-R-A-C-O-H-E-D-Y. Pronounced comedy. Uh If you are Jack O'Brien. And uh, (laughs) we'll we'll get out of some Inui together. N-U-I. And we. Wish me luck, folks. Wish me luck out there. All, all the luck. When I come to, I'm going to be working on my book. 
Oh, nice. Go. Okay, there you go. Yeah. I want to see that baby. Is there a work of media that you've been enjoying? Yes. Okay. Everybody watch this. It went viral for a hot second in like a pocket of young women. But like everyone, everyone fourth grade and above needs to watch this TikTok that is a woman putting a ping pong ball inside of a balloon. You blow it up Mm -hmm. and it mimics the baby inside of the uterus. Whoa. Yes. And then as she blows up the balloon, she lets the ping pong ball settle at the neck of the balloon. It closes off the air. That's the baby at the base of the cervix. And then she pumps the top of the balloon. Uh This is fabulous. She pumps the top of the balloon. Those are uterine contractions that thin out the neck of the balloon. And that's how you give birth. She gives birth. I did it at home and I popped the balloon twice, which is how you tear. Oh, wow. Like she didn't even have to tie it. It just holds the air. It holds the air. And then the way she's pressing on the balloon right now, those are contractions. And the contractions actually help you give birth to the ping pong ball. You see that? It's phenomenal. Right. Starts facing. Oh, okay. Wow. That's the oh baby coming out of the vaginal, uh, out of the cervix and the vaginal canal. Oh, the shit blew out. Yeah, and then the and then the ping pong ball just comes flying, flying out. out. Shit. Yeah, if you if you push too hard, you tear. That's what terminal I terminal velocity. Yeah. That's terminal velocity. Easy, easy. Yeah. Take it easy. That's so and, wild because that is such a simple demonstration. Oh my god! That like helps not make so much of it abstract. That Whereas makes before, TikTok like, worth it. The whole right? existence Jack, of TikTok is worth it. For turns that out that woman, she's just wearing scrubs. She has no medical training. Is that real? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just like <laughs> that's how TikTok is. Like I'm wearing I'm scrubs. Y'all are gonna believe yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Miles, where can people find you? Is there work in media you've been enjoying? Yeah, yeah. Find me at Miles of Gray at at based life forms or social media platforms. Uh, find Jack and I on our basketball podcast. Miles and Jack got mad boosties. Uh, talking to NBA. Uh, but also find me and Sophia Alexandra on our trash reality TV show podcast for 20 day fiance. Uh, the reality about- TV is trash, not the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it could be yeah. trash. I don't know. It's up to you. I have the beholder and all that. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. Um, some tweets I'm liking the, I got a couple actually. Uh, the first one, Sarah at Knights gravity tweeted, I'll say I got that dog in me and it's Snoopy. yeah yeah you got that dog in you uh and then another one um at gld vittorio tweeted the reason people are having a hard time finding sympathy for the submarine passengers is because it isn't a situation that could happen to anyone no one is afraid of a friend or family member accidentally spending two hundred fifty thousand dollars to go crisscross applesauce into the uss jigsaw uh yeah it kind of feels right it's like such a dark story and yet like also so absurd that like yeah yeah i mean the tweet goes on to say i'm not saying it's normal to lack empathy for people we can't relate to i'm saying psychologically it isn't instinctive because this circumstance is so far beyond being a conceivable threat or apprehensible horror on a level past cognitive dissonance toward refugees or the poor there it is yeah There. there it is all right Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien, a tweet I've been enjoying. Uh, DJ Fuck at Eggshell Friend <laughs> tweeted, baby on board? With what? What's he down for? <laughs> <laughs> it's on board. 
What's he yeah, down for? He's down. Ride he's or die. Board. Yeah. yeah hey, Jack. Yeah. I want to play a game with you. Uh oh. <laughs> <This is laughs> <laughs> open open up. Open, <laughs> open them thighs. Open your legs. Open them thighs. <laughs> I'm going to narrowly miss your balls. There it is. True I like there. Language. There needs to be like a jazzy like 1970s <laughs> game show theme that comes up when you're like, I'm gonna narrowly, yes, your ball. Like you say, I'm gonna narrowly miss, and then the crowd all goes, miss your, your ball. <laughs> Today's contest contestant is a radio DJ from the Los Angeles area named Jack O'Brien. Come on down. You're like, it's like Price is Right, where you're like, oh me, run down and just. Throw my legs open. <laughs> Are you excited? Yeah! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we Footnote. link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Uh, this is like a, some some nice sort of you know new new age housey kind of R and B track uh, from the oh, artist yeah. Meta M A E T A and it sounds like it sounds like K Tronada type production. I'm not sure if it's a K Tronada beat, but obviously K Tronada style is very popular right now with the you know people like that house sound. Uh, and this track's called Questions. It's a nice track. Good vocals. Just a fun upbeat track. Just to start getting your weekend going. So check this there one you out. Go. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. But we are back this afternoon to tell you what is trending. And we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Here's something you might not know about wireless. Sometimes what you see isn't what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 per month, taxes and fees included. Switch now at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.